G'day, teabaggers. It's Will here. I'm going to be really quick. Uh, this is an episode I recorded with Dan Illick when I was in San Francisco, so it's a couple of months ago. Uh, it was the day that the uh, uh, Prime Minister, Tony Abbott in Australia, might have been involved in a spill. So we start the podcast before we knew what the result of the spill was going to be. Uh, anyone who knows anything about Australian politics knows that since then, uh, the spill was unsuccessful and uh, Tony Abbott's still the Prime Minister of Australia. Thank God for my political will show, or it would have gone for about 25 minutes. Uh, thank you to everybody who came out and saw that show. We have a week at the Comedy Festival sort of go come and see my free will show it's the best it's ever been thanks to everyone who's seen it so far but i'm really proud of it uh i'm really excited about the shape that it's in now so there's one week to go to come out and check out uh, uh free will uh, and of course there are two shows on saturday a 5 45 and a 9 15 show uh if you're looking for a show to see this week thursday is a great night to come it's uh cheaper and there's still plenty of tickets available for thursday so if you're looking at a night to come come in on thursday night thursday will be awesome all right. Uh, I'm not going to bang off for too long. If you like Dan, uh, check him out on Twitter. Check him out online. Uh, ch- check out all the videos he's making uh, for AJ Plus and uh, all the stuff he does for Irrational Fear. He's a brilliant comedian, and I hope you're going to enjoy this episode. Cheers. The following episode of Fofop is classified MA. It contains some coarse language, some nudity, drug references, a sex scene, time travel, terrible Batman impersonations, a Charlie Clausen pronounced Clausen-shaped hole, and mild coarse language. Fofop advises that the program is not suitable for persons under the age of 15, and minors must be accompanied by an adult guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax, this is Tofop. Ironically, I'm not relaxed. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Fofop, I'm Will Anderson and our returning guest Charlie Clawson, Dan Illick is here. We're in San Francisco, the Bay Area, is that what we say? We're in the Bay Area, Yeah, Dan? we're in the we're in the Bay Area, yeah. Because that's what you say about San Francisco, isn't it? Yeah. They call it, that's the... Because you live here now. You're yeah. a resident of yeah. the Bay Area. Yeah. Is that what you would say or are you a San Franciscan? Mm, definitely not a San Francisco. I'd say I'm part, I live in the Bay Area. You because the, got, Bay Area. The, the Bay Area is the city. You know, right. When people talk about uh, San Francisco, San Francisco is very small. It's like if you said, um, I don't know, if you were in Sydney, you lived in Bondi. That's how big San Francisco is. It's, oh, is that right? It's seven miles by seven miles. It's not very It's not very wide at all. It's not very a big city at all. Okay. Uh, it's kind of a tiny place. Right. So the Bay Area uh, is the city. City. So you've got Oakland in the east, you've got Marin right. County where all the people who don't vaccinate their kids are, uh, they're in the north, uh-huh. uh, and you've got Silicon Valley in the south, that's San Jose. And uh, and so that that is the Bay Area. Right. And in the middle, you have the Bay. Right. <laughs> yeah. And you have uh, San Francisco, which is, I guess, say, well, to me now, I don't know why I went there, probably because my mind goes there. But it just, I, the, the Bay Area now reminds me of like the vagina area. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like it feels like there's like, you know, you, like San Francisco's the G spot. You know, it's only actually a small spot, even though everyone says, everyone refers to the vagina no. as being the whole thing. But no. it's not really. It's a series of it's a ser- different it's, little parts yeah, that you need to know about the clitoris and the labia and San, all these, San the Francisco vulva. is the clitoris. Right. Yeah, yeah. You can only have a good time there. Right, yeah, okay, yeah. so San Francisco's the... Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> San Fran clitoris. It is the clitoris, yeah. yeah. Every, okay. You don't want to live anywhere else. In fact, people who live in Silicon Valley, uh, people have to work in Silicon Valley at Google or Facebook or, right. or Apple, they live in San Francisco and okay. they, they get luxury buses from San Francisco to San Jose. Right, so they work in the anus. They work in the perineum. They work in the perineum. <laughs> um, uh, it, 
Apple's new building is a perfect circle. Right. That's probably the anus. Uh, it's a it's a hundred and seventy five billion dollar anus. Uh, tell me, is it really a perfect circle, the Apple building, or did you make that up? No, it's a, it's an because like, it's very hard to tell in Silicon Valley anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Between a joke and they're going, oh no no no, it's a giant round building. No, absolutely. Uh, well, here's the thing. Uh, it, uh, one infinite loop was the address of Apple and has been the address for Apple for for thirty years, forty years. Hang on, that's their address. One one infinite, infinite loop. loop. And it, it, if you can imagine um, just corporate, uh, uh, five-story corporate uh, offices, as far yep. as the eye can see. Okay. It's like a university campus. That's it's kind of what it looks like. And before Steve Jobs died, he went to the San Jose uh, Council and got his actual infinite loop approved. And it's currently under construction right now. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a perfect circle. This shiny new marble and glass structure that's being built. Uh, it's like, people call it the UFO. Right. Um, so it's actually, yeah, it is actually being built. It's actually it is a perfect circle. Yeah. Wow, that's kind of amazing. Yeah. What else have you? Because you're you okay. Well, let's talk talk to people about you being here and sure. like why you're here and like because you live here now. Why you're a resident of the Bay Area? Yeah. Uh, what brought you here? Tell people. Uh, well, for many years, I've wanted to be a Harvey Milk impersonator, mm. and there was very few. This was the place. <laughs> this is the only place. <laughs> this is the only place. Your that, Harvey Milk act wasn't yeah. playing playing well in Bondi. Yeah, it wasn't playing well in Bondi. That well, run you did at the Melbourne Fringe. Uh, no good. No milk, good. milk lemonade. Great, great show though. Great show. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Harvey Norman milk. I tried to mix oh. it up a bit. Get some sponsorship. Get some no one was interested in that. No, no one was interested in that. Um, no, I've. Um, I, I... Well, a lot of people came, but you gave them twenty-four months interest-free, so you say none of that money. Yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the Adelaide Fringe keeps it. Um, I, uh, I've just got a new job over here. It's really exciting. Yep. Um, I've picked up a new gig uh, working at a place called AJ Plus, which is like a, uh, a digital offering from Al Jazeera. It's like an experiment they're running uh, in how to engage young people with the news through online audiences. Now, as far as I know, this makes you a terrorist, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Does this mean you're now officially a terrorist? Uh, no, no, Will. And since this is being, <laughs> since this is being, since this is being recorded and, and can can go other places, right. I won't do the standard jokes that I have been doing. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I've got, redacted, I've got, redacted, I've redacted. Or, I've got three or four hilarious yeah. jokes that involve body parts missing if, yep. if stuff doesn't work. Sure, you can, uh, you so, can, write, not... you can email Dan offline. <laughs> He'll right. send you those <laughs> jokes. No, no, no. I will. I, if, if I see you in the street and you yep. say the right code word, I'll tell you the jokes. Okay, but no, Al, it doesn't. Al, Al, Al Jazeera. Al Jazeera is a really interesting place. So tell, tell us about Al Jazeera. Al Jazeera is what like, you hear is what you, what uh, that it's a terrorist. What news the average panel. American would <laughs> what the average American would understand is it's like the terrorist news, right? You know, it's 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 our kind. News network. Yeah. What in fact it is is a, a very conservative news network from um, from Qatar, and it is like the BBC of the Arab world. Uh-huh. And there's many different strands of it. There's Al Jazeera Arabia. Oh, sorry, Al Jazeera. Full stop. There's mm-hmm. Al Jazeera English. Um, there's Al Jazeera America, and there's AJ Plus. They're like the four main four main streams. You got to get uh, AJ Kids going. <laughs> That's right. AJ News Twenty Four. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, but AJ because kids is where it is. This is what you need to pitch to them. It's like it's all well and good for you to do all this like digital marketing and stuff, but they need a kids. Channel, you know, look some bananas in burkas. That's what they do. <laughs> Get it going. I thought you were going to talk about kids stuff on YouTube that's going back gangbusters. There is a guy who just reviews play doh. Hang on, what? There's a guy on YouTube who just reviews play doh. Oh, he just internet. opens it up, yep. and and plays with it, right, on a on a plain coloured background, mm-hmm. and he gets like three million hits, like every video. 
from from Play-Doh from consumers? Play, from playing Do you Play-Doh. think it's, is it like, is it him, they love, people love watching him or is it people genuinely going, well, this is the place you've got to go for the best Play-Doh information? No, I, no it's not I like, it's not unboxing. It's not like un, un-Play-Doh. Right. It's, he's just playing with Play-Doh. Right. I think it's like kids looking at it, like parents putting it on for their kids. Oh, just go and watch this guy. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. You, he, we, don't we have any you Play-Doh. Play-Doh. You just watch someone play with Play-Doh. You know what? He, you can have this blue tack <laughs> and you can watch this guy on YouTube playing with Play-Doh. Actually, well, that's a really good idea. Blue right. tack <laughs> channel. Someone write that down. Someone write, write we'll, that down your little we'll book. We'll put that on the note. Blue, blue tack. Uh, well, this you is can all coming, blue, coming in the Will's new show. We can say blue tactics. That's a, uh, that's a very sticky idea. A very. I mean, we can get a sponsorship tie-in for that <laughs> if blue tack are interested. No, Working blue tack. Yeah, but it's very. I'm very excited because um, uh, it's it's uh, uh, my new role is senior satire producer <laughs> at AJ Plus, which is already great. It's a pretty good name. I basically got to make up the the title myself. Uh, senior so, satire producer. producer. Yeah. Is there a junior satire producer? No, no, it okay. doesn't exist. It, like right. I just made it up. Uh, and I'm also an investigative humorist. Like on the card, that's what it says. It's so, a big card. It's a good. Ah, oh, well, you know, I I have many. You can, you can. So does that basically mean that they've like? I mean, talk us through. I mean, seriously, like, yeah. uh, so did they? They've decided they're going to put together AJ Plus, and were they headhunting someone to do this? Or yeah, they've been thinking about doing um, satire for a long time, and uh, Rational Fear went really well last year. Which um, last time I caught up with you was this time last year. It was in your in your living room in in LA. Yes, and true. I, I we spoke about Irrational Fear just before I launched it, and uh, the the crowdfunding campaign, and it went really well. So to update people who who may have heard that conversation that went really well we raised 50,000 we got another couple hundred thousand from a generous philanthropist and we produced content for 13 weeks it was like a tv show on the internet it was really good we had a partnership with the guardian you don't have to refer to me as a generous philanthropist <laughs> uh will was one of yeah, our high two, donators two, but- two hundred thousand dollars from a generous will anthropist i won't say who it will is anthropist. Yeah, that's, well- that's the name of the- Next year's show, 2015, is Will Anthropus. Will's giving away every dollar he's ever made from making Eddie Maguire jokes. <laughs> oh, fan, that's great. That's great. Well, Eddie and I are friends now. I've, I've become friendly with Eddie, so I, I, would, I, I would feel like maybe if I like, sold off those jokes and then like you know, donated the money to charity, that that would be a good way of like relieving myself of the guilt. Yeah, right. yeah, it is good. It's right. good. Like you know, if you give you know a dollar to everyone who comes in, uh, well, hang on, no, they're giving you money. I can't work out how this works, but I mean, it, I'm, re- I'm I think I'm redistributing the funds. I, I look at myself as some sort of Robin Hood, so yeah. I take from the people, but I redistribute to the the needy. Yeah, I like that. You're like a uh, you're like Bitcoin of comedy. Uh, right. So- <laughs> and I was very fashionable for a minute, and now nobody knows what to do with it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, what's that? What's that? Um, that dark web. Uh, Silk Road. Look at you. What's Silk that Road. dark web? What's like that, you don't what's know. That dark web? Senior satire <laughs> advisor for a terrorist network. Of course, <laughs> you know about the dark web. I, I Can you only get J- AJ Plus on the dark web? Probably. <laughs> I am making I intentionally ignorant jokes. You 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 need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Yeah, right. Listen. Sounds like a threat from a terrorist. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> and also, don't go to the city on Thursday. Uh, no, AJ Plus is not a terrorist organization. No, no, no. But I mean, obviously, this is. I mean, I for people I, at home. I joke, obviously, for, but and but what? this is one of the. You know, misnomers that they're trying to overcome by yeah. getting someone like you in to do like what you're doing. So tell us, how did you get the job? How did it come about? You know, you know. So irrational fear happened. Then what? 
Uh, so Irrational Fear happened. That went well and been going well all last year. And then, you know, I kind of did some pitching of Irrational Fear television networks in Australia and there wasn't much of an appetite uh, for something like it. So No, because there was no cooking or building homes in it. <laughs> if you just been constructing the studio for nine weeks, you got two teams to construct the studio, then you could just do the stuff in between. And every sketch should have a meal in it. Will. <laughs> Do you know what Alison Sharman at SBS said? We're only, we're only making cooking shows. <laughs> we're only making cooking shows. We're making cooking shows. It's, no, we don't have... Um, no, I, I'm sorry. We actually don't have a TV schedule anymore. We just have a menu. <laughs> it's, um, look... To do what you want to do, mm. you just got to go to places that want you. Yes. And Australia didn't want me, so I moved. I moved over here okay, sure. to find a place that I could do what I wanted to do. And you'd been going across America. I mean, we talked about this a little bit last time, but you've been going across America, like going to places and learning a lot and putting yourself in front of these people. Oh yeah, like I come, I come, I can't. I love coming to the states. I come every couple of years because it's a, it's a great playground. I mean, right. you you know this. Like it's such a fun, big place. Well, it's big and it's complex, and everywhere yeah. you go is different. And you can like lose like you can get lost and no one knows you and it's like it's it's a big place you know it's good I, I, I really enjoy I really like being here and being in San Francisco it's really nice San Francisco is beautiful it's like living in Melbourne or, mm-hmm. or uh, uh, it's very similar to that and um, and it's insanely wealthy um, and that's got its good parts and its bad parts the bad parts are there is incredible inequality on the streets but um, generally, you don't get hassled. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it, but it is. It, it's become a very rich area. I mean, San, this is an interesting thing about this area, and I'd love to get your perspective on this, which is because, like, 20 years ago, this was very much an artistic city and an artistic community. Mm. But then, of course, the tech revolution happened to this city, and there's been a lot of, you know, it's changed the city. Well, it, the tech revolution has happened in waves, and this late, late, latest wave has meant a lot of people who have been renting rent-control apartments and things like that in the mission and other places um, that were traditionally for lower income, middle class people are kind of being pushed out. Yep. You kind of need like a hundred grand a year to roll in this city now because it's so expensive. Uh, um, the rent is extraordinary. I was looking at like a one, a studio apartment, what they call a, a junior one bedroom. <laughs> junior one bedroom apartment, yeah. It's nothing better also than being like an adult with a job looking for a junior uh, one, bedroom one bedroom apartment in the mission district which is a, a very it's, it used to be a, a classic latino district um and now it's kind of being gentrified it's it's very hipster now it's the brooklyn of of the west coast in, in many respects and the cost of that was around three thousand dollars a month and for me that's like that's crazy money and then the lady wanted a five thousand dollar deposit so that was eight thousand dollars i would have had to stump stump up and i have a life savings of about twenty thousand dollars right <laughs> And Suddenly you're like, uh, we may need to do another Kickstarter. <laughs> it's time for my rent. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. Well, I spent all my money after Irrational Fear. Uh, we ran out of money for Irrational Fear. I didn't stop spending money on Irrational Fear. Oh, I, just yeah, kept, right. I just kept making content. I was like, well, it'll, I, I have full confidence that TV Network will pick this up and then I will cash in on this brand. And we ca- it's impossible to not get up. This is, like a, <laughs> this is a turnkey operation. I've got incredible writers and talent lined up. People trust me from across the comedy community. This is easy. Just fucking give me the keys and we'll fucking deliver you ratings. I Didn't can't give it. you a deposit, but what I can <laughs> give you is three episodes of unaired 
censored content from an Australian satirical comedy program. It's funny you mention that, Will. I for the for the viewers or for the listener who might have been who might have come to our Opera House show, mm-hmm. uh, we made a parody of Taylor Swift's "Shake It Off" long before uh, "Shake It Off" grew into this viral uh-huh. insanity. And um, in that parody, we were ripping apart famous Australian businessmen oh, yeah. who were uh, influencing politics. Okay. Um, the parody was called uh, Pay Them Off, and we had a awesome cameo from the one and only Clover Moore, oh. and, where she did the breakdown rap in the middle, and it is, hyst- <laughs> it is hysterical. <laughs> um, and we played it in front of the opera house. It tore the, tore the roof off uh-huh. the opera house. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> And then I, I said to the Guardian, do you guys want this? Yep. They said, our lawyers said no. And then I checked with my lawyers and my lawyers said, you showed this at the Opera House? Yeah. You, pos- you need to delete that. <laughs> <laughs> Look, so uh, some other people's lawyers have got a problem with this. Should I have run this by you guys? Yes. <laughs> yes, you should have. So anyway, okay. so I can show you that. One other t- another time. It's it's in the cloud somewhere. So if someone's to break into my Dropbox, they'll find it. Oh, well, they, big, hello to anyone from Anonymous who's listening. Hello, white hat hackers. <laughs> uh, okay, so um, you do Irrational Fear. You've been making all that. You don't have any money. You get this job. How do you get the job? How does that even happen? Well, I was meant to go to... Uh, in October, I was slated to go to Afghanistan for Dateline to do a story uh, about... Australia's legacy in Afghanistan. By the way, I should point out, uh, because we have a lot of international listeners, that Dateline is a current affairs show because it sounds like a dating show. (laughs) And I think if you're listening from overseas, you're like, they sent him to Afghanistan for a dating show? (laughs) Always swipe right. (laughs) It's the Muslim way. Um, uh, Yeah. Uh, So it's a a, a prominent... Um, use a current affairs show. So I was meant to go to Afghanistan, do a story on Australia's legacy in Afghanistan. Yep. Um, but uh, things in Kabul started to get a bit uh, explosive. There were, it was bombing bombs every right. uh, twice a week f- during that time. And so the decision was made to maybe just put it on ice and come back to it later on. Uh-huh. And so I had two weeks. It's rare that I have two weeks in my schedule that is empty where I'm not doing anything. Um when you're a busy person, apart from the financial, like, you know, things, there is nothing. Because I know what I'm doing every, pretty much every single day until the end of November right. this year, right? Right. There's almost nothing you like more than a cancellation. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh, my God, I finally have that time to do all these things that I'm meant to do. Yeah, yeah. It was, a, it was a, for me, it was like, uh, for me, I was like, well, I haven't got a job for next year. Uh-huh. I don't know what I'm doing. I've got two weeks off. I'm going to go to – I knew AJ Plus existed. I hopped on a plane and came over here and met the people and said, here's what I do. Are you interested in this? I reckon this would be good. Um, depending on the resources you have, would you be interested in maybe me setting up a team? And here's what I did with a rational fear. This is how much it would cost. And they said, well, we don't have that kind of money, but we do have money for a position as a producer. And I was like, right, well, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah. So, <laughs> So it was one of those things where they'd been thinking about it, but they, the, the resources they have are not the same kind of resources I'm used to. It's funny, Will, like, um, as someone who's worked in public broadcasting, who, who loves public broadcasting, as I do, um, I'm sure you'll be aware that, you know, when you when you are a public broadcaster, when you work at um, a place like the ABC or SBS, <clears throat> it is an incredible privilege to be a part of. And part of the part of the downside of that is you don't get paid as you, as you would in another in another organization but right. you do get incredible resources to make things. Yeah, absolutely. And so what I'm finding in this place is that I'm actually I'm paid okay, 
but I just don't have the resources to make things. Uh-huh. And it's like, ah, now I have to decide. Like, how, like, what do I prefer? Do I like having the money and the tools and the people to make stuff? Or do I like having money in my bank account and going to brunch on Sundays? Right. Like, it's, <laughs> do I like renting in San Francisco? Full stop. Right. Um, yeah. So it's, you, now I've got that dichotomy. I've got that, that, that pool where it's like, ah, oh, shit, like, this is like what, you know, these are the decisions you've got to make. So um, anyway, I'm, I'm, I am, but what I do feel like here is that I do have access to people and issues and the centre of everything that's happening. So I could, I can get, I can go to the Super Bowl and make a bunch of cheap ball jokes or I can, uh, I'm planning a, a sketch about measles at the moment where I release 10 sick kids with measles in Marin County and let them run free. I think that would be really funny. So like there's, like, there's not often you get that opportunity to tap into the zeitgeist like that. Right. So I'm excited. And be in the middle of it and be have access the, to being in the middle Be in the middle of it. of it and kind of, and also charge direct, like push a, a certain direction, like be able to go, look, I know, I think this is funny. I think this is how it goes. I reckon we do this. And what's cool about working at AJ Plus is, is that there's, I mean, they're all serious people. They're all serious journalists. So like, I'm like the only one looking for a joke 100%, right. 100% of the time. So it's really exciting being like the funniest person in the room. And rarely when I'm doing work, I'm rarely the funniest person in the room. <laughs> I pay people funnier than me to hang around me so I can suck their ideas and put them on screen. So like, it's really exciting like to, um, to be able to have, a, have a, a forum and an idea to go and make stuff. But not with the same kind of resources I'm used to. So I just have to scale everything back. That's all. Okay. So th- talk to me about um, uh, a couple of things. Firstly, the Super Bowl thing. How did that come about? And I-, I-, I tweeted that the other day, but I'll put it on the Facebook page when this episode goes up as well so people can see it. Just tell me how, like, work me through how an idea like that comes about, then how you execute the idea. Like, you know, talk me through the process. So there was a late, there was a late, I was a late ring in for that. And um, they were just trying to organize press passes for it. Excuse me. Perfect. Um, so they they organised press pass two days out, and so I was like, oh, okay, so I should write something for it. All right, what are the main? So in my head, I go, what what are the main conflicting issues that people aren't talking about at this event? Like, um, what what is the truths? What are the truths that aren't being kind of explored at this media day event? Mm-hmm. And how can I do that in a funny, interesting way? So the biggest thing that, in my perception, my limited knowledge of the Super Bowl um, or, or the NFL in in its entirety is that they've had some really big issues come, um, come to the front uh, over the last couple of years and they haven't really addressed them uh, very well. And then there's this, this issue called Deflategate, which was about um, uh, the the Patriots were accused of deflating the ball so they're easy to catch, came about, and it kind of whitewashed the other issues out of the way. So I thought I'd try and use that topic to talk about the other topics. Right, yeah. yeah. It's like one of those things where you – I mean, it's a bit like uh, with what's happening in Australia. On the day we're recording this, uh, it's uh, a possible spill day. Yeah. We might have our fifth prime minister in five years in Australia. Which is great. We should do it. <laughs> apparently, we've got a roster now. Apparently, it's just like the tuck shop. You just, that's what they should do. They should that's just go, idea. you know what, we're going to give everyone six months. Yeah. Uh, so, but, you know, and you run as a team yeah. and you know over the three years that like five people are going to get six months each. <laughs> 
That's a great idea. That's a great idea. And you know, if you do a good job, Michelle will be back in a couple right. of rounds. Oh yeah, you could run again and have yeah. another. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, do you remember Tony Abbott? Yeah, let's yeah. get him back. You know what? We need a bit of Tony uh, Abbott at right the moment. Now. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what the country does. See, that's the problem with Tony Abbott. If he was just there for six months, you'd be like, Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> he says some stupid things, he calls some other countries some stupid things. Get him back. Get him back get for him six back. months. Oh, this sausage roll needs sauce. Kevin Rudd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we need uh oh hang a on. Sauce it's, it's one of those weeks where we need like someone to go out and stand with firefighters and drive a truck. Tony Abbott! Malcolm Turnbull's going to be no good at that. No, no. <laughs> but he, but, oh, we, well, Obama's coming to town. We better wheel out to Malcolm Turnbull. I mean, yeah, we'll get Turnbull for Obama. Yeah, That's he, a good one. He's a statesman. A statesman for a statesman. We need some policy negotiated through a difficult Senate. Oh, Julia, Julia Gillard. Gillard. Let's get Julia Gillard back. Great at making compromises. Great, yeah. at, great at appeasing everyone. Right. Yeah. That's a, yeah, yeah, no. Well, let's definitely get her back. Well, I mean, that's actually a good idea. The, the whole uh, constitution should be rewritten. I always think I've had this thing before. I think that all former prime ministers should be able to be activated at any stage. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like once you've been a prime minister, that you're like, it's like the people who've been Batman. If, if you've ever read any of the Batman things where other people take over Batman, or if someone else sure. takes over the Flash or Spider Man, whatever, right? <laughs> so you have all the former. Like, you know, you know, prime ministers there and you can just go to them when you need them. The way I see it is... Because way- you're a prime minister forever. Once you've been prime minister, you're always prime minister. Yeah, and you get called that, don't you? you keep- well, I know in America you're, you're a president forever. forever. Yeah, it's President Clinton still or it's President Bush still. Right. Right. Are you still prime minister? Keith? And then I think next time it'll be President Bush or President <laughs> Clinton, uh, so that's Clinton pretty easy. Yes, yes. But yeah, in I, have this, I have this vision of them all living in a uh, in a mansion somewhere, yeah. all together. Uh, Good. And then someone comes. We should move them all into the lodge in Canberra. Yeah. <laughs> Do the renovations of the <laughs> lodge, the and then they all live in the lodge. That's right, yeah. yeah. Just, you know, We're already paying for it. Bob Hawke's at the bar, pouring right. beer for everyone. Yeah, perfect. Uh, the, the, the clocks are being maintained by Paul Keating. Exactly. Uh, oh, yeah, he, he does the decorating. Yeah, he does. We need somebody to get the vintage clocks, to get the Marla here, to have some big ideas. Yep. Keating's your big ideas sort yep. of guy. So he's just in like a library somewhere, like, you know, Phantom of the Opera style, just bitterly come on, coming up with big ideas and reminding everyone he thought he was the greatest <laughs> Prime Minister of all time. Yeah, yeah. He, he's Hawkey's like at the bar, skull and, skull and beer, and setting world records. And by the fireplace on a rocking chair is Gillard knitting. Kni- <laughs> knitting? <laughs> oh, yeah, right. She knitted in Woman's <laughs> Day, Yeah, knit, knitting for everyone. She said she likes the knit. And, yeah. And John yeah. Howard's in the other rocking chair in his Australian tracksuit <laughs> watching some sporting event. Yep, yep. That's great. Yeah, I think that's, that's a great a, that's idea. A really good idea. Yeah, so emergency prime ministers that you should be able to, like, in, in case of emergency, break glass, and you should be able to bring them back into the rotation, into the roster. <laughs> we have a desperate issue. <laughs> emergency prime ministers. <laughs> this beer cup is empty. Right, but seriously, like, I mean, because it is one of those things where you do need all those different skills. When Abbott went to the cricket over summer and was in the commentary box, it was terrible. <sighs> but, you know, John Howard loved that stuff. Yeah, and he, because he's really passionate about right. it. Right. He knows it back to front. He's a cricket nerd. Uh <sighs> If, I mean, if there was like an international jousting tournament, I guess you get Abbott in because he loves knights and stuff. So, oh yeah, you know, totally. He, I mean, he'd know about that. Well, I mean, that's what we need though, because I mean, you don't. Julia Gillard's no good meeting the Queen. That's not that's not her go to area. <laughs> Abbott, you know Abbott what I mean? Is, that's Abbott's where you send girl. Abbott. You send your like right wing British born blue collar tie wearing you and know snob. If to the Will Royal... ever became prime minister, we could ship him off to Comic Con. Right. <laughs> 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 it would be a great prime minister. Prime Anderson. minister Anderson's at Comic Con. 
on the floor at Comic Con. Meeting and greeting all the yeah. fans. I'm, uh, yeah, yeah, I will. People come up to you and go, You look so much like Prime Minister Anderson. I love I your am. outfit. Come to my panel, four o'clock this afternoon. <laughs> be answering questions about the economy and Comic Con. <laughs> Yeah, just specialists, I think. We need specialist prime ministers. That's good. It's a good I think yeah. it's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it's um it, it's a spill day in Australia, so we don't know how that's going to go at this stage, but no, no, uh, no. Should uh be, okay. Should so, be happening sometime soon. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, it'll be on. I was getting up listening to Australian radio here mm. in San Fran today. Mm. Um, it's been a couple of times when I've left the country now that the <laughs> Prime Minister has changed. The, the, the last two times, it's, uh, I've been here. I've been right. in America. Yeah, and it's one of those things that the only reason I need to really be across it is everyone's going to ask me in America to explain it all to them tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, right, right, like right. Everyone's like, do you have another Prime Minister again? Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, yeah. yeah it's, it's weird for us too. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we are like, um, <laughs> do you reckon like Fiji are looking at us going, we should do something about those Australians. Maybe they need our help. Like, do you reckon there's like despot third world countries? Well, I just think <laughs> what it is, is like we're, we're essentially like the Australian public is essentially like a poker player who keeps getting bad hands. And they're like, oh, well, I'll throw in this hand. <laughs> Surely the next hand will be better. And then they get the next hand and they're like... Fuck, i got to throw in this one as well. At some stage, I'm going to get a pair of queens and then I can actually play. <laughs> Here's what's great about this spill is that this will be uh, the way the Liberal Party is structured. They they have to do this spill. Uh, and Labor can no longer do this because of the way their internal politics is now structured. Because now they're now if they want to change leaders, they have to go through a whole primary um, voting process. Yeah, they have this new process for the Australian Labor Party, which is the... The more left-wing, but not actually that left-wing anymore. It's very hard to tell the difference between the two major parties yeah. on a lot of issues. They are both parties of the, the middle right. Um, but the ALP is certainly kind of to the left, and they brought in this new uh, voting structure where it's 50% the members of parliament, yeah. and it's 50% the voting base of the ALP. And only after they had two embarrassing spills where they deposed two prime ministers. Right. Like, and I like that that's... That's what had to happen to get this new process happening. So the whole thing can happen a lot slower. People don't make rash decisions. But I like the idea that liberals don't have that law in their party, in, in their governing process, and they could just like change prime ministers anytime they want. Well, I, I, unless Tony Abbott overnight changed that, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah. We'd be like, uh, yes, you can do a spill, but uh, you uh, have to answer me these riddles three. Uh, uh, it's a captain's call. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a captain's call. Essentially, captain's call. all you have to do is take this ring and throw. <laughs> it into the fires of Mordor and after you've completed that journey all positions are open all you have to do is pass a budget right. uh, and then uh, you could be Prime Minister uh, so it's interesting in Australia because uh, the only reason that Tony Abbott got elected really was that people were so dissatisfied with the job that the other people were doing because Tony Abbott's always been terrible I mean this this idea that somehow people are like oh my god I'm so surprised Tony Abbott's been terrible yeah. he's been terrible for 20 years yeah. on the public record terrible for 20 years mm. he was always going to be terrible yeah. and now he is terrible we can't blame him for that no he's Forrest Gump man he no. was just in the right place at the right time and got elected like I, it's I, not his fault that we elected an idiot it's our fault where were you buyer beware where were you when Abbott Abbott won uh, the nomination for leader of party uh, what 2000 when he beat Turnbull when he beat Turnbull by, he beat one, Turnbull one, by one, one vote do you remember that hearing that news and going, I remember how it. how how I was driving down uh, Johnson Street in North Melbourne and I was I I had to pull over and listen to the radio carefully because I couldn't believe 
that's what happened. Well, it, it, here's the thing. He's been an excellent opposition leader. One of the best opposition leaders of all time, Tony Abbott. He was an opposition to his own party first <laughs> when he overthrew Malcolm Turnbull. And he overthrew Malcolm Turnbull by running a negative campaign on climate change and, you know, like basically the campaign he then translated to the government. So he's so good at saying no. He's so good at calling people a liar. He's so good at blocking things. And then he got in, and, but that's all he can do. He's, he's kept doing it. And he's just kept doing that. He's been his own opposition leader because the actual opposition in Australia, they could win the next election based on doing nothing. And that's, a, that's learned, all they're doing. They've learned no <laughs> lessons. Like Bill Shorten, the guy who's in charge of the Labor Party, is one of the worst politicians ever to grace the Australian stage. And, and, and we'll elect him and then six months in we'll go, oh, hang on, he's terrible too. Why do we keep electing these terrible people? Oh, yeah, because the last one was terrible. Already I've been hearing from people who I know inside the Labor camp about how they will attack Turnbull. And they're going to – the rumour is – here's how weird the ALP are. The rumour is they're going to attack Turnbull on his stance for a pro-ETS because he believes in climate change. Right, because he's smart. (laughs) Because he's an educated man. And also climate change is not a political issue. issue. It is not a left versus right issue. It is a humanity issue. But if the ALP do that, they're just going to – that's just – that's – I don't want to say that word. I was going to, but no, it's that, terrible. Well, it's, it's not that, but they're fuckwits. We can say fuckwits <laughs> fuck still. Wits. They are fuckwits. Actually, wits, no. They are complete mm. and utter fuckwits. And I'll tell you why. You never get people to vote for you by trying to get onto the other person's ground. Like, it's like what the ALP did with our asylum seeker policy. It's what like what the ALP did with um, so many things. Gay marriage, when they were... like. You try, they try to appeal to people who will never fucking vote for them. <laughs> like, never vote for them in a million years. Is it, is it too much to say? That our much- entire politics <laughs> is ruined and we should just get rid of them all like an Etch-A-Sketch and start again? No, that's not too much. I'm not talking about a Belson solution here. <laughs> is it too much give to... Give me six months. <laughs> just give me six months. <laughs> is, it, is it too much to ask that a party develops good policy? Well, I mean, and sells good policy. I, here's okay. Here's what I would argue is that I think we are part of the problem. The media is part of the problem, and we are part of the problem. We have to demand uh, better policy, and when, then we have to reward people for good policy. If we keep voting people out, you know, or voting people in on three-word slogans and you know lying to us and being in opposition, but I mean, Will, we're part of the problem. Three-word slogans are so easy to understand. Yeah, they are. <laughs> Like, but that's when spills are really exciting, right? It's our own fucking fault. It's, We're addicted to the drama. <laughs> I mean, but it is our fault, right? And and the, the like, I mean, Tony Abbott. Like, now you can debate the things, but he he ran on this idea that he was going to axe the tax, which meant that he was going to get rid of the uh, the ETS, the the climate change. Uh, so basically, there was a certain amount of money, a carbon based pricing structure, which is going to be pretty common around the world, yep. right? And we are one of the highest per capita emitters of any people in the entire world, and so we had a system put in place. Now, whether it was the right system or not. Anyway, that's not the issue. But axe the tax. That was his simplistic look at it. He was just going to axe the tax. Axe the tax. No explaining of what you know, he was going to do instead to save the world. But yep. axe the tax. Axe the tax. Stop the boats. Stop the boats. Now, he said, well, we've stopped the boats. 
I mean, to a certain degree, they have stopped the boats. Yep. They've stopped the boats from coming to Australia. Yep. They haven't actually stopped the boats from leaving the places they're leaving. And they've actually made it uh, against the law to report on the boats coming. So right. they've actually stopped all the knowledge yeah, of the boats. We've stopped ever. you hearing about, about the, the boats, boats. Yeah, regardless so, of what's happening. Yeah, stop reporting but we do seem to be building uh, more and more places to <laughs> keep refugees on all these other places. <laughs> so I don't know where they're coming from. Are they just airdropping in? Are they parachuting into Manus Island? Because otherwise, I don't think you've actually stopped the boats. I think we we could be shutting down those places if the boats were stopping. You've just stopped us hearing about the boats. I think 16 boats have gone to those islands. I mean, yes, there are less boats, sure. obviously, yep. but they haven't stopped the boats and then they haven't. But also the thing is like he has these simple things, axe attacks, stop the boats. And what was the third one that he was going to, um, uh, fuck, I can't even remember uh, what his third. Fish on Fridays. Fish on Fridays. <laughs> so... <laughs> Axe the tags. Stop the boats. Stop the boats. Fish on Fridays. No shoes, no service. No, hang on. <laughs> no hat, no enough. play. No hat, no play. <laughs> uh, it was axe attacks. Stop the boats. No sex in the champagne room. <laughs> I... <laughs> But that's what you pay extra for the champagne room for. Right, that's what it's for. Uh. I mean, I could just buy champagne. <laughs> so... It, anyway, you had those policies, whatever the... I can't even remember what the third one was. Axe the tags. Uh, it was stop a, the boats, wear more blue ties. Axe attacks, no, stop the boats. Budget, budget. Oh, balance the budget balance or, the budget. you know, budget. cut the, yeah, okay. Uh, cut the debt. Uh, the def, uh, debt deficit, deficit uh, spiral or whatever uh, it is. Which uh, So they haven't done that one. No, no. Uh, the, the next two, you could kind of claim you've done. But here's the thing. You're in for three years. Even if you have a list of three things, there's heaps of other shit. Yeah. Like he's out there going, well, we've axed the tax and we've stopped the boats and we're like, what? So you're just going to put your feet up for two years? What the fuck else are you going to do? And they're actually, there's actually, they haven't actually done anything. They've just stopped doing stuff. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a small good point. Go- small government. Small government. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've decided to, yeah, we're not doing anything. Yeah, it's, fine. it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, that's why they're replacing him. His job's done. Yeah. Ah. Abbott should walk. He should go, well, I did everything I promised. What, I have to make a second list? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, the other things you're not going to do, just write a list of things that you are going to do. Okay, um, so what about the political situation here in America? How do you view that being like a – because now that you live here, yeah, uh, like are you a person who – like are you trying to throw yourself into it? How do you as an outsider comment on the American system? Etc. It's a really uh, good question, and um, I kind of have followed followed it from afar for a while, and I'm trying to learn as much as I can about it. But it feels very stagnant here at the moment, like um, the way Congress is set up, the way the houses are set up, and the way Obama is on his own at the moment. So that's mm-hmm. kind of interesting to me. That's that's kind of it. Obama being renegade. Uh, Executive is is kind of an interesting idea. He's just doing all the things he can do while he's a lame duck right. um, president, um, doing all the things that w- are within his power. Mm. So um, that's kind of the story. The I love that. He's got no power and he's just decided to do all the things he can do within his power. And well, Tony Abbott's got all the power. <laughs> and he's like, well, I did two of my three things. What do you want? But no, he, he, I mean, he can run... He can run uh, High-level government. Yes, uh, he has a lot. The, the, the American president has a lot of executive powers that he does not have to run by. He doesn't have to run by the house, right? Which is, which which is, is very different to our yeah. system, where, yeah. like you know, like at the end of the day, Tony Abbott made a captain's call on you know <laughs> Sir Phil, and it's nearly brought down his. <laughs> Isn't that funny? That's a, look, I know we shouldn't be talking about the spill because this is no, a we podcast. No, I mean, it's but, a podcast. We can talk but, about but all this. But, it the, doesn't pop, but, the, but the, the captain's call thing yeah. and the knighting of Prince Philip, the yeah. idea that 
all of Australia just went, you fucking can't do that. That's it. You, what the fuck are you doing? You're done. Like, you fuck, shut up, idiot. You're done. Like, that, but that was like a unifying thing. Everyone went, hang on, we don't suck up to anyone. We're Australians. Right. Why are we sucking up to these people? I mean, it is interesting that of all the terrible things that he's done while he was in government, targeting the poor, targeting the disabled, like targeting refugees, like you've just given a gold trophy to a person who has heaps of gold trophies, and everyone's like, that's fucking it. We are done with you. I mean, the, I mean, the only bad thing that can happen to that is Prince Philip will fall under the weight of how many medals he's got on his chest. Well, like, no, knowing Tony Abbott, that's what had happened. <laughs> like Tony Abbott had given him his medal, he would fall over and die. And I'm, now we've killed fucking Sir Phil. We've killed the Queen's husband. No, but I think it was like the straw that broke the camel's back. No one really cares. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, whether he gave Sir Phil a, like a knighthood, it doesn't really matter. But it was emblemic of the fact that he... Like of a guy who, in the budget, when they said we have to clean up this budget, yep. targeted disproportionately the poor and unemployed, and you know, uh, social services, and didn't go after the wealthy and and, and top level. Uh, doesn't make you know big tech companies. A lot of them that are based here in the US pay the appropriate amount of tax in Australia and things like that. And then suddenly he's also seen like it's the ultimate symbol. Like when you're in an environment that everybody thinks. See, this is the thing about Abbott that. Like he's just crazy just from a political point of view. Yeah. Is whatever you think of him, everybody knew that coming into the election- This is what was th- going to happen. That he had a problem with, like people think, oh, people who don't like him, he's got a problem with women. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, you know, and there's plenty of evidence. And then he puts one woman in his cabinet and elects himself minister for women. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, you have a problem with like, you know, kowtowing to England too much and rewarding privilege and not looking after <laughs> young people. He's like, I'm making Philip, Sir Philip. And you just, people are just like, are you rubbing this shit in our faces? <laughs> like, this is crazy. But what I, what I like about that decision. And they're crazy. What I like about the decision, Will, yeah, is that me. it was the unif- it was it was. It was unified the whole country. Even it wasn't left, wasn't right, it wasn't a centrist thing. It was. No. It wasn't Greens. It wasn't Labor. It was everyone went. What the fuck is going everyone. on? Everyone. Everyone went. What the fuck is going on? Members of his own. <laughs> the next day, when they were asking members, because it was on Australia Day. This is the first time Tony Abbott has ever united Australia. <laughs> He united all of Australia on our national fucking day and just going, you fucking what? That was like at once you could hear across Australia people just going, uh, fucking what? But I think Margie Abbott rolled over in the morning, just looked at me and went, fucking what, Tones? What is going on, mate? It is. It's just really funny. The whole country. It's really funny. They could not find a member. Like that next day, finding a member of the cabinet to support him was like fucking talking to like Peter the day that Jesus got fucking arrested. Like he was. People were just like Tony Abbott. I've never heard of Tony Abbott. I don't know what you. It's a captain's call. I don't know if you. I don't know if you follow this Facebook group. If, if, if you're out there and you, you're fascinated by Australia's relationship with royalty, you should follow a group called Royals Day Out. Okay. It is run by a hilarious Sydney comedian called David Cunningham. David Cunningham is a verbose, intelligent, brilliant man. He's like a Stephen Fry of Australia. Uh-huh. He knows a lot of stuff. And he, he just puts up pictures of royals and does a little blog post uh, from their point of view. <laughs> it's wonderful. It's just hilarious. And the one on Australia Day, he put up a Prince Philip and he put all the titles that Prince Philip Oh, yeah, actual yeah. titles yeah. that Prince Philip has. And it's like 170-something titles. I tweeted them the morning that like it came out. And I tweeted all the titles. And like it took, it took me five tweets. <laughs> 
but seeing them in a seeing them in a in a block of text, right. and they're all actual titles. Oh, and our one isn't even near the top. <laughs> like the one that we gave him is literally in the middle of the titles in importance. It's it's so embarrassing, right? How it's so fun. I just think it's funny that this is the this is the issue that everyone is just so embarrassed by that we go, well, no. No. I think it's like a that Australian like uh, disrespect of authority. That's yeah. certainly you know part of it. I think, um, and I, I and I also think that, it, that when they came up with these stupid awards, when they brought back knighthoods and dames, that Tony Abbott had said it, it was only going to go to a deserving Australian, right. right? And then he gave one to a deserving Australian and one to the Queen's husband, right? And I think people were pretty mad at that as well. Mm. But I think it was more just the fact that, like. Everybody knows it's batshit crazy. Yeah, like just ev- the, the only person they could find to, to, to defend it was this guy called uh, Professor David Flint, who's head of like he's the essentially he loves the Queen more than Sir Phil, <laughs> right? Right? right, right. <laughs> and he was the only one who could come out and go, "Wow, you know." And I remember hearing him talk. He was bringing up he was he was bringing up when S- Phil as a in the Navy or whatever defended Australia against the Japanese. <laughs> Wow, that was- I was like, <laughs> you know, what have you done for me lately, yeah. Sir Phil? <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's so bizarre. Like, I don't know. But maybe, you know what, the great thing that will come out of this, hopefully, is that it will progress the – I'm a bit of a Republican at heart. So uh-huh. I, I like the idea that Australia should – we should get a new flag and we should have an Australian as a head of state. I think that's really important. So I think- Talk to me uh, about why you think those things. By the way, His- I should say uh, to our American listeners that when we say uh, that we're Republicans, and I'm a Republican as well, and I found this out the hard way by tweeting that I was a Republican, that, of course, that means a different thing in America. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, people are like, I'm surprised that you're a Republican <laughs> from the views I've heard you espouse. <laughs> I believe that the head of Australia should be an Australian. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. I mean, that's... And that's what I mean by that. And, uh, and I think our system, I think our current... Government system, governmental system is good. Our Westminster system is good. And I think, you know, that uh, if the government does vote for a president, they're, they're just a figurehead that checks off the constitution like the governor general does now. You know? I, I, my my preferred model of like an Australian republic is the exact system we have now, except yeah. the queen doesn't get a vote. Yeah, exactly. That's I feel that way too. I feel like, like, the, I feel like our that? system works well enough. I mean, we keep electing fucking morons. <laughs> but apart from that, it, I don't think that's the system's fault. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree with you. The Australian Republic, it, it should be. Here's the thing: at a very minimum, when Australia is playing England in the Ashes cricket, the head of Australia should <laughs> barrack for our team. Yes, right. But at yeah. the very least, yeah, yeah. That's my minimum. Yeah. And let's get rid of the fucking bullshit Union Jack in the corner of the flag. Yeah. And again, and my, I, I think okay. I, hear, I hear a lot of people say, yeah. you know, look, this is another thing. Like uh, people are like, oh well, I went to war for that flag. Well, I'm like, well, you went to then war for a flag right. within a flag. That's not your country. Right. Like, then what about people who are, you know, fighting for that flag now? Wouldn't it be better that they fought for a flag that represented your country? Okay, or here's a crazy idea. Let's not fight for flags. (laughs) Yes! Let's fly. Let's. You went to war and fought for an ideal. You went to war and fought for your country. And don't, didn't you fight for the idea that we could be an independent country and that we could be, this is a, this is an honor to you. Like, we are able to make this decision today. We are able to have this own flag. It is a tribute to you and whatever you fought. But the minute you say, I fought for the flag. <laughs> no, you're, you're an idiot. <laughs> really? Because you, you weren't fighting against Nazis and oppression? Admittedly, nope, just flags. Admittedly, in 2007, when I had it wrapped around my neck and I was bashing wogs on Cronulla Beach, yeah. I was then fighting for the fighting flag. Fighting for the flag, <laughs> yeah. 
Like anyone who's fighting literally for a flag has missed the fucking point. A flag is a symbol that represents something. No, I just thought it was about flags. I am very passionate about flags. Oh, red, white and blue, they're my colours. God loves flags. (laughs) Well done. <laughs> uh, thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Um, yeah, I agree. What do you think the the flag should be? Because uh, again, people have fought under different flags as well. That the argument that is made by that is that in different wars we've already fought under different flags to the one that we currently have as well. That's correct. Uh, I don't disrespect that, by the way. I understand th- th- what people are saying. I just think that we can also change things and you know recognise our past and also embrace our future. Fiji are changing their flag. Yeah. Fiji, they're deciding, hey, we don't need this Union Jack. They're getting rid of it. Right. Isn't that incredible? Like, it's incredible the idea that Fiji still has a Union Jack in their, the corner of their flag. And then New Zealand is going to go to a referendum next year for, for, for their flag too. Like, it's I, I don't understand like why we can't... Being, it just sounds like... I think Australia, I think we're grown up. Right. I think we can do our own thing. Uh, sure, being in America has put, uh, you know, puts an interesting slant on Australian politics and looking at Australia far away, it's like this little country that doesn't really matter to anyone in here. But it, I think, you know, I think we can do our own thing. I don't right. think we need, I just don't think we need But also it. England doesn't care. <laughs> they don't care. Like, they don't care. They were surprised when the Republic didn't get up last time. Yeah. They my, were like, really? My girlfriend who's English yeah. turned to me one night in bed and went, why do you have a fl- our flag in the corner of your flag? I went, I actually don't know why. Right. I don't know why. So what's your ideal flag then? Do you have an idea about what you think uh, the flag should be? Do you have like, you know, like something that you would prefer it to be? Look, it'd be great. Um, like Dick Smith's face on it uh, uh-huh. would be great. Yeah. <laughs> or just the dick and balls. Straya. <laughs> The, South, cunt. The, the Southern Cross stars, but, but somebody's done that thing where you link them together like when you're looking at the Milky Way and it's just a giant dick and balls and then it just sprays out straight out. <laughs> It'd be great if it was, a, it was a flag of someone's Southern Cross tattoo. Right. It was actually a tattoo. Oh, I don't know. Look, I, I, I don't know. Also the Southern Cross, just for the record, and I'm not disrespecting anyone who has a Southern Cross tattoo because I'm, you know, like, again... The tattoo itself isn't the problem. Some people had Southern Cross tattoos well before Bogans took over Southern Cross tattoos and ruined it for everybody, right? So, you know, people had that moustache before Hitler ruined it. It, I don't blame everybody. And you can shave off a moustache. It's very hard to get rid of your Southern Cross tattoo. But also this idea... You know the Southern Cross is like... It's in the sky. It's not just over Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Heaps of other countries from around our area also look up in the air and see the Southern Cross. And they have it in their flags. How about we have something that's specifically Australian Mm. in our flag? Yeah. Like a crushed tinny. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a kangaroo punching on with an emu. What the fuck do you guys want? A ute. Right. (laughs) A ute. Yeah. I'm I'm a fan of incorporating the indigenous flag into it in some way. I mean, I'm I'm sorry, fa- I'm sorry, beautiful. Excuse me, I'm eating. Yeah, it's okay. People love that as well when we eat on podcasts. <laughs> but we've both been doing it because you bought d- delicious croissants. Uh, I saw a beautiful flag uh, I concept, and it had a had this stunning Aboriginal pattern in the left hand corner of it. Yep. Oh, on the left hand side of it, it was like. Um, I think it meant to symbolise like a corroboree or something, and it was just it was just beautiful. And I thought that is actually the only Australian thing about Australia are our uh, are our Aboriginal people, and we don't white people don't know enough about Aboriginal culture. Absolutely, we don't celebrate it enough. We're so ignorant about um, Aboriginality and spirituality, and you know a lot of people give uh, stuff like. Um, not welcome to country. What's it called? Um, 
Not the welcome to country, the one that white people do. It's called uh, acknowledgement of country. Oh right, okay. A lot of people. Welcome country is like uh, welcome country is an incredible thing that is yep. very uniquely to Australian, where Aboriginal person will uh, will welcome you to their nation uh, at a big public event, and so they will they will kind of tell you a little bit about the history of the land that you're standing on, and they that might involve a dance or just a talk or just a joke or, or something nice and quick to kick off kick off an event. And an acceptance uh, uh, acknowledgement of country is where white people just pay, li- pay lip service. Yeah. Uh, to I'd like country. to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land. Yeah. Dot, dot, dot. And, uh, yeah, past, elders past and present. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. yeah, yeah. Blah, 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 blah. blah. Anyway, anyway, so, condos. <laughs> <laughs> We've got 24 condos for sale today. <laughs> Do we hear $300,000? <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be great if every auctioneer had to give an acknowledgement of country? <laughs> We'd like to, ladies and gentlemen. Before we auction off this this price, going at one point five million dollars for this half a bedroom, this this one bedroom junior in Redfern, uh, we'd like to acknowledge the the traditional owners, both past and present, Barry and Stephen, who owned it. They did a wonderful renovation. Uh, <laughs> presently, presently, Jane and Doreen own it, and they're selling. So uh, it'll be great. Let's give out. Uh, let's start off at seven hundred thousand dollars. Here we go. All right. Here's what I like. They should have to do the traditional owners, the people who had the land, you know, the indigenous people, but then update every generation of owners since. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners, uh, and then the Smiths moved in. They were here for about 24 years, and then... Yes! That's a a really great idea! Oh, that's... Yeah, that's good. That, that way people have a good semblance of the land and understand where it comes from. So a lot of people give that stuff, yes. they, they poo-poo that, and they say that that's, you know, oh, who cares about that? That's just lip service. And many, you know, many black fellas I've spoken to and I have asked them about, you know, uh, acknowledgement of country, and they say, well, that's just for white people so they don't feel guilty. Um, but also I think, I actually think it's kind of nice. Okay. I, I would say that both of those things are allowed to be true. Yeah. Uh, I've been talking about this a bit recently with different people about uh, feminism. I would like to call myself a feminist, but I'm also at a state in mind, like in my life, where I I don't feel like it's my – that I have the right to just say, I am a feminist, and tell women that I'm a feminist. (laughs) This this is what a feminist looks like. Yeah, I would like to try to live as a feminist and if people like then go and people can then call me out on ways that I'm not. Like, for example, this podcast is a really good example. Sure. I, it's predominantly men that I have on. Sure. And, and mostly that's just because I'm traveling to comedy festivals and I work in an industry that's predominantly men. It's yeah. a part, part of the problem is the industry itself. But yeah. part of it is, you know, then I, I'm challenging myself. It's very easy for me to say I'm a feminist and have this conversation with fucking 90% men. <laughs> yeah. You know, so with my other podcast, Philosophy, I, when I brought it back, I made, because it's a little bit easier to control and it's only once a week. And, and so I decided that I would definitely like have at least a 50% representation of like, you know, women and men. But again, when it comes, I would like to know more about like our indigenous culture, but I also have to make an effort. I always think that acknowledgement of country is at least people going, hey, we recognize at least something. Yeah. And that's an in. If you can then, it, but I think that can be them going, I, I'm doing it for the right reasons. And then blackfellas, if they want to, yeah. and I use that term, you know, respectfully. Yeah, me too. You know, it, can say, well, that's not enough and bullshit and here's why. And then I should also take that on board yeah. and have a listen to what they're saying. You know, I, I think we live in this world now where people uh, feel that if somebody says something uncomfortable to you, mm. that they're attacking you. <laughs> like, I love when people say uncomfortable things to me mm. because it challenges me. Yeah. Like, I can either then, I can either take it on board or I, the example I always give is like broccoli in the teeth, right? 
If I'm walking around all day with broccoli in my teeth, mm. I'd rather that you said to me early on, hey, just by the way, mm. uh, you got broccoli in your teeth. Mm. At, rather than me just constantly being walking around with it and mm. never knowing that it's an issue, you know? Yeah. Like, I can then decide whether I take the broccoli out of my teeth or if I go, oh, no, I actually fucking, that's how I like to wear my broccoli. <laughs> I wear it in my teeth. Why, you fucking, you know, or whatever. I have the But same... this idea of being challenged, yeah. you must get this on both sides, I imagine. Yeah, I, I, I do, yeah. And I, I, I get, I find it hard to talk about Aboriginal culture. I find it right. hard to talk about feminism, um, but also find it hard to talk about queer culture as well. And often got got... Like, because queer culture is dynamic and it uh-huh. changes all the time, and and how to, how to talk about it changes all the time. Right, and because and it, uh, because the, of how course. to talk about LGBT or LGBTI or LGBTIQ, but but I shouldn't be talking about it. I got told the other day that I shouldn't be talking about LGBTI. I should just call it queer. And I, so so now I have to change my. Le- I'm changing, trying to change my words to articulate a point of view. But well, the idea the is words that... are getting in. in right. uh, the, the actual physical words are getting in the way of conveying an idea. I think that we need to look a little bit more. It's very easy to say from a position of, you know, privilege. But (laughs) uh, I feel like we need to take into account intention uh, a lot more in people's whole body of work. And, you know, like if somebody is saying a word or whatever to be, um, you know, mean-spirited, but if somebody like you is trying, like say you're trying to do the right thing (laughs) and you leave off the I off the end, (laughs) you're like, I don't hate intersex people. I was trying to use the right thing (laughs) and I forgot the I. And next time I'll try to, you know, be more aware of what intersex is. And like, I've had those with this podcast. If you go back three years, four years, there will be things that I've said on this podcast that people have contacted me and gone, hey, you know, yeah, people don't prefer this or this is the term or blah, blah, blah. And then if I think that's a legitimate piece of feedback, I try to then... I mean, you didn't say the R word before. You wanted to say the R word? No. There are guests I've had on this show who over the years have said the (laughs) R word. I'm not even sure like early on, but I just don't like people to say that word anymore. And it's... Yeah, and I've been... Yeah, I've been... Conditioned that way as well, and but also I understand why not to say that. And listening to Kurt Fernley on your philosophy podcast was great the other day. That was really really exciting. My dad is quadriplegic, and I was also friends with Stella. And the way Stella threw um, the word "crip" around, uh, and the way like I would interact with her as well, I would use that word as well when I was with her. But okay. hearing Kurt talk about it made me go, oh, fuck, from that perspective, that's really hard now. So now I'm trying to figure out, as someone who has family members who are disabled and right. who, and I don't like I don't like using the word disabled either because um, my dad doesn't, my dad, even though he's quadriplegic, doesn't actually ever, would never acknowledge his disability right. at all, um, even though he requires a lot of help these days. So it's kind of, it's also, you know, swings around a bit hard sometimes. But I'd imagine you'd have to keep off swings and roundabouts. That's your, <laughs> yeah. that's your main problem, I would have thought. That's how the accident happens. <laughs> a terrible swings and roundabouts accident. <laughs> of 1945, something. So I, I think some of it's about context. Obviously, you know, when you're around Stella and she's using those sort of terms, then maybe, you know, if you know her and, you know, you feel comfortable. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I have friends who are around gay friends, gay comedian friends will, you know, use pejorative terms about gay people. But I have started to, myself, start to go, are we still reinforcing and defining (laughs) this person by this thing in a way that I know that they're cool with it, but are they really cool with it? Or is that just part of the conditioning of our society that we've made them be cool with it with like... 
I mean, Stella, I think, is a different example because Stella was somebody who was clearly using the barbs that had been thrown against her in an empowering way, like black people reclaiming the N-word or any of those sort of things, which is perfectly legitimate to do. But I don't get to reclaim the N-word and I don't get to reclaim the R-word. They're not my things to be able to reclaim. Yeah. I get to reclaim white privilege. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, guys. Uh, Well, I think if we've learned learned anything from this podcast, white lives matter. Um... (laughs) White lives matter. <laughs> yeah, let's that's, not forget that. That's what we've learned let's from this podcast. Not definitely forget that. Um, and are you available next week to clean my apartment? Right. <laughs> so, uh, so I do find that language is a very interesting thing, and it, it, it becomes increasingly complex. And sometimes there are people who listen to this podcast who hate when I talk about these topics. Right, they, right. They liked in the old days when it was just the you know prison rape, and you would make those jokes. And, <laughs> right, right, right. We we'll get to Batman soon. Right. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I've already used one Batman analogy. How many do you need? But it is complex as, to us as communicators to know what you can and can't use and when you should use it. Yeah. And like, I mean, I imagine this is something that you come up against all the time, right? Uh, it is. I mean, I, I find it very difficult to even here. So working in the United States opens up a whole uh, another can of worms when it comes to using language and the right language to use. But also with my current employers who are based in the Middle East, um, I've had I've had to be careful about simple things that I put in my work. So, so what sort of things would they be? Like very, just as very, examples, uh, very oddball. Like here's a oh, this is a oh, this is a true. Um, so this is a true thing that happened. I don't care if they hear it. It's fine, you know, <laughs> but it's fine. Fine with me. So the first video I, I did was about Charlie Hebdo and uh, I was coming to grips. Uh, the, my first week in the job, Charlie Hebdo happened. I mean, it's a pretty incredible time. So, I mean, everybody knows what Charlie Hebdo was. Sure. But, uh, you know, as a satirist and as a person who's made their living doing satire yeah. for satirists to be attacked and the context of that attack and for you to be doing satire at Al Jazeera. <laughs> I mean, welcome to work. AJ plus. Yeah. It was my first, first day on the right, job. Yeah. So it was one of those things where I was like, Oh man, well, I guess I've got to put, I, do I let this one go past right. and do start again next week yeah. or do I put something out now? Yeah. You know what guys, I'm going to, you know, I'm starting next Monday. I think you'll all understand why. <laughs> it, it was a bit like that for me. I was like, fuck it. Right. Hell. Uh, and I was also new, so I didn't know who to who to ask to get a camera, who to ask to do what. Luckily, I had my own gear, so I just kind of set up in the in the boardroom and just kind of made my own video and then put it out. And the the last line of the video was about I said, as a comedian, the truth is all you should need to have to defend yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, well, when oh, I think I said something when doing stand up. Um, as a stand-up comedian, the truth, the truth is all you need. You should have to need to defend yourself. And I said, beer also helps. <laughs> Video did well. Right. Went, went around the world. Uh, great. Did, you know, six, 7,000 views. Uh, got to, eight hours later, got to the bosses uh, in the Middle East and um, they pulled it off Facebook because of the word beer. Beer. Because in Qatar, uh, it's a very conservative country. Uh-huh. I'm not allowed to, I wasn't allowed to give the impression that I might drink alcohol. Oh. And I don't drink alcohol anymore. Right. Since yeah, <laughs> beautiful. Good on you. Well, that's why we're drinking water here today. Yeah, a bit of so. water, just very crystal clear water. No, right. <laughs> so, um, it, it's one of those things where the only wow, thing that to f- was... the only thing to fear is beer itself. <laughs> it's the yeast you could expect. Um, <laughs> 
we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> uh, anyway, and let's uh, not be I'm better. out. I'm out. It's okay. I'm, out. Uh, <laughs> I'm sitting with Will Anderson. I, uh, yeah, I, I was good to get one away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, okay. Yeah. So that was. You're a, looking a little pale. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, it was. It was a very weird thing where that was the thing that upset the new boss. Like so interesting. Like it didn't. It didn't get past. It, like our bosses over this way thought it's fine, but the, by the time I got to the other side of the world, they were like, "Well, don't don't imply that one of our people drinks alcohol." So that's kind of that's a really good example of something where I was just I'm trying to balance a lot of different perspectives, and I was warned by friends who worked at the organisation in the past, like you know, they're very they kind of got a, a unique take on the world, and you should just keep that in mind as as you progress throughout the when you're making stuff, like just be aware that there are going to be certain things you will, you'll find normal, um, but they won't accept. And, you know, so it's going to be. It's, right. I, I, but, I, all, I, but also of all the things, if you're making a Charlie Hebdo video and you know, you're talking about satire and you're talking about all the issues that are around that. Yep. It, if the only thing that they have a problem with is, is beer, beer. That's fine. That's fine. It's really fine. You're yeah. from a country where no one has a problem with beer. Yeah, yeah. So if you ever need a holiday from people having a trip, you can go home. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. all right. Yeah, you yeah. can get all the beer you need. You know, but you've stopped, and that's good. Exactly. But there's, I mean, there's other issues as well that I won't get into. No, but, but that's a good example. It's a good that's, example, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, okay, so what do you want? I mean, we should finish up in a minute. But, sure. Uh, although I, I do like this little studio we've constructed it's here. It's very good. I mean, very good. Uh, we are sitting in the corner of Will Anderson's apartment in yep. uh, in San Francisco, and yeah. he's taken the doona off and and to deaden the sound. Yep. Of little acoustics. We're in the corner. <laughs> I put the doona over the little mini table in the corner, and then we've put some pastries on top. <laughs> That's right. And I've put on ten kilos just to buffer uh, some more. That's been good, mate. I appreciate <laughs> that you've done that during the the sound. If the sounds got better during the episode, <laughs> That's because Dan ate an entire croissant. <laughs> it's like I don't know why, but it was just so. Much smoother and sweeter. You're welcome, podcast listener. Uh, also, I'm in a, a bedroom that has two beds. Uh, does that make you jealous, seeing that you're in your uh, little tiny apartment and I'm here just lording it over you with my two spare beds? No, no. I, I have moved into... I've, I'm on a sublet, so... Oh, I've, okay. I've le- I've, I'm borrowing an old lady's apartment. And she lives in a place called Pacific Heights uh-huh. uh, in Sounds San Francisco. Exciting. It, it is um, it, like a very white, okay. old money... It's like the Willara of San Francisco. Okay, all right. Sure. And her apartment is filled with eccentric furniture of bygone era. Oh. Uh, there's like a coffee table that's being held up by three black people. Oh. <laughs> that is a different era. It's a completely different era. <laughs> there's there's like I, I I mean I imagine that you mean some sort of statuette. A statuette. Yeah, yeah not, no, not no. literally three black people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not 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 the three not actual right. three black people who are on lease. But there's like in, there's an in, Af, uh, Indian American statues around the place who have that I've now kind of hidden in cupboards. Right. Uh, so Native American statues, yes, you mean? Yes. Sorry, Native Americans. Yeah. yeah. First people statues. First people statues. First Nations yeah. people statues. People are still wearing those headdresses to Coachella. So I think that lady's <laughs> That's fine, down yeah. the list of. Yeah. But, you know, so I've just kind of hid artwork and stuff in, just further out of my eyesight. <laughs> uh, and I've got her... I've got Which her, is almost worse if someone else comes over, though, and starts finding the yeah, hidden nasty yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... I just, got but, all the, I just got all this artwork after the war. I can't explain <laughs> how. Yes. Um, so uh, I'm in her place for six months. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's fine. all right. Yeah. You, you, you're living a life. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so what what happens for you now? What, tell me what, because I'm not going to see you for a little while. What's the, 
What's Dan Ellick's life like for the you know the the you know the next few months? What's uh, going on with you? I'm just here. Um, I'm just here in uh, in San Francisco, trying to keep pumping out content and trying to figure out um, how to make stuff here and and try and I don't know make. I just want to make some good stuff. Yeah. So my next my next four months that I'm here, I'm just going to put my head down, and try and make some good stuff, and um, maybe come back to Australia in, in six months' time and try and get another gig or 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 if I can't. Um, get another gig here that's better than than what I've currently got. So um, I'm just gonna you know put my head down and just work at, at the moment. So I haven't really got a haven't really got a, got a plan. I'm just um, I'm just here. I'm just gonna pitch you an idea. Sure. You get like big comedy stars in to do like musical parodies, and you call it Weird Al Jazeera. <laughs> Can't tell me that that's not a good idea. <laughs> it's a really if you're listening, Al Jazeera, it, Weird Al Jazeera. It, that's all you need. It'll be fine. I think that's a great idea. Weird Al dressing up as people from the news <laughs> doing parody songs. As long as he doesn't mention beer, everything. It's going to be fine, right? <laughs> yeah, that's fine. That's totally fine. Yeah. Um, what's the biggest cultural shock for you here? Like, uh, I mean, I know you love America and you've spent plenty of time here before, but now actually living here, what what's the biggest difference? I think the big difference between home and here is the number of poor people oh, okay. I see on the streets. Now, is it? do you think there's more poor people or are they just more visible here? I think there's more poor people. Yeah. Um, and I think there's... By the way, last time I was in San Francisco, I, I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast before, but I was walking, like, I guess maybe the mission, but, like, down in one of those areas where... And there's a particular place where there's a park where a lot of, like, homeless people congregate, right? right? And yeah. they had, like, they were burning, you know, um, you know, for heat, and they were all kind of sleeping in this area as well. Between the freeways? Between the freeways. Yep. Yeah. I okay. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly where it was, right? And I think there might be some sort of... Uh, you know, uh, shelter, shelter nearby. Few away, yeah, yep. food, yeah. Okay, that's exactly that's so you know exactly know what exactly I'm talking, talking about. about yeah. So I'm just going for a walk. So I'm like literally just got my headphones on. Uh. I'm going for like a walk. I'm just pounding out a walk, and I've looked over, but not in a leery way or mm. a like literally just like glanced over in the way that you would. It would be weird for you not to glance over. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I am confronted by poverty. Yeah. Like it's something that I find very difficult to rationalize when you know i have a very nice life to see every day you know be, be confronted by that so i'm pr very sympathetic to that sort of world and 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 i am walking by and this woman has caught my eye and this is she's yelled this at me you'll be here in a year and i was like what do you know that i don't know yeah. like Things are going okay for me. Yeah. Do you know how bad my life would have to go in the next... And why am I homeless in San Francisco? What terrible thing happens to me that I end up in one year... But she was so determined that I was going to be there in a year. Even if you had to, your dad would just sell one cow... One cow! ...and get you on a plane. You think... I mean, things have really gone terribly in my life if I am homeless in San Francisco a year from... Like, and it's only about three months away now. But I... But I look at her, I look at people like that and I go, it doesn't require much Oh no, you're for right, people though. to end Absolutely. up in, in places like that. Then it's going to be a buttload of work to get out of that hole. Yeah. And I look, I 
people we trap people in cycles of poverty that's the problem with I, not, not having a safety net and this is like you know you have these people argue well these families have never had a job yeah because if you drop people in this area where it's then it's like our government what tony abbott was going to do he was going to cut people off the dole mm. you already haven't got a job and you're going to say people can't then you know buy the right food and you know get transport to the job interviews yeah. and be able to dry clean a suit or print out some pages for a resume or get some internet to- like any of the things that would actually help you yeah. move forward and get a job. Yeah, I was riding my bike through the Tenderloin home one 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 day. Tenderloin is a poor area in San Francisco, and Tenderloin actually does sound a, like a part of the vagina. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh yeah, and yeah. you've got to avoid the Tenderloin. tenderloin yeah. I'm a little Tenderloin. Yeah, you'll I've been bit, horse riding. Go through there, you'll come out itchy. Right. Um, I saw a, a guy grab a lady's bag, and the lady ran across the road yelling at him to give back the bag. And mm. I was on my bike, so I chased down. I was chasing. I was alongside the guy. I wasn't chasing him down. Right. I was like still distance away. I was like, "Give back the bag! Give back the bag!" And I chased him too. You were a negotiator. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I was, "Give back the bag! Give back the bag!" And he citizens cut, negotiation. He, he slowed down, and I only started to get concerned about this when yeah. he slowed down. Right. And I was like, "Wow, he's really poor." And I feel like my life could be in danger right. if I approach him any further. At the very least, I'll lose my bike. Uh-huh. Um, and I don't have health insurance. Yeah, 30, <laughs> I mean, yeah. 30, 30 seconds later, he's riding off on it with a bike and a handbag. <laughs> and I'm in, I'm in the gutter. Uh, and this woman comes I'm over the and gutter. goes... I'm the gutter, not not fixing my wound on my phone on Qantas's webpage, right. trying, to get, <laughs> trying to get a flight home to get my to get my guts put back together. <laughs> I like the idea though that you you didn't make a citizen's arrest, but you were happy to do a citizen's like terrorism negotiator, <laughs> like that you were basically like a go-to man, like. <laughs> You were like one of those people they hire to negotiate with the terrorists for hostage demands and stuff. I have I got a pretty good record of it though. Like uh, in Melbourne, I've I've stopped two people who've stolen bags Ooh. and have managed to got, get the bags back for, for, for people. So, like, I didn't think anything of it. I just kind of started doing it and until I realised, like, oh, I'm in a really <coughs> bad part of town and this guy who's got the bag has nothing to lose because right. he has nothing. And Well, uh, he's got that bag. <laughs> he's got the bag. I mean, that's what he's got. Yeah, yeah. That's no, it. I agree. I mean, and so it's like incredible desperation. The, the stakes, the stakes are, are only high for me. Right. What am I doing? Like, um... I should just go. I, no, I should. I should just leave. And I did. What do you say to? And like, this is something that I confront. I mean, the homelessness in America. Like, I find it confronting because you know I like to walk and walk around. Yeah. So if you walk around cities, you see and are confronted by homelessness mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. Um, I. Uh, okay. What do you think the major reason is? It the healthcare system. Is it the lack of mental health help? Is it? I mean, because I think the, I think the fundamental thing is the healthcare system. Yeah, and I think when people don't have that safety net, as we were mentioning before, people live in a constant state of fear. Yeah. And if you're constantly scared of of the net of tomorrow, then you have no incentive to. You have no courage to move forward with your life i think you have you lack the confidence to move forward what do you say to the idea that um the standard that we walk by is the standard that we accept as a society like i mean because this is what i find confronting because it is very hard you can't i mean i get to the point with homeless people and i will i mean obviously i people have heard me talk about this before like i 
I don't like loose change. So B, I will always <laughs> give my loose change to homeless sure. people. And I try to help if I can, like, you know, when I can. But th- it's overwhelming. It's like the, the, it's, but it's, at the same time, I don't like walking by it because then I'm like, well, I accept this. I accept When I f- see that guy shitting in the street like I did here in San Francisco or when I see that guy passed out on the footpath in LA and you're not sure if he's alive and you just think, you know what, I can't. Like I've, I've just, I've, I've, I've got other stuff I've got to, and that's when you as a human being are making that decision of just going, I guess someone else is going to have to check if that dude's dead. I, it's so, it's so weird. Like at home, it feels easy, be, feels like easier to maybe give more of a shit because no. there's less, but here in this big city, the disparity is so huge. It's hard to, it's hard to not ignore it. Because if you stop for every person, you won't get to work on right. time. You know, like it's it's one of those things where there's just so many people. So what do they do though? Like how do we as a world like confront this? Because here's the thing. Even if you don't give a shit about other people. Yeah. Firstly, if you don't give a shit about other people, stop listening to this fucking podcast. <laughs> and go and fucking have a look at your life and give a shit about other people. But even if you're not, even if you think, well, homeless people are only homeless because of their decisions. Say you're one of those people, you know, like you're like, I've worked hard and they're there because of their decisions, right? Yeah. Even if you're one of those people, don't you just like being able to walk down the street and not, not being seeing in, homeless not seeing homeless people? <laughs> like at the very minimum, wouldn't you prefer a system where those people are being looked after and you don't have to hold on to your handbag or yeah. like walk down the street or being confronted at by that guy? Minimum, at the very minimum, minimum, wouldn't you just buy homeless people new clothes right. so they look less homeless? Right. Like, why wouldn't you care about that? That's person? what I'm starting. That's my business. <laughs> I'm here in San Fran. I'm going to start a startup where we just, we haven't fixed homelessness, but we've made them look better. <laughs> Day later, they're selling their soup for food. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, okay, I didn't think this through. <laughs> Got to be honest with you. Yeah. I only thought through the photo opportunity at the start of it. Yeah, I think I think that's a good idea. I think that's a good idea. Um, yeah, okay. I, I, I mean, that's a very tough question for me to ask you. I don't th- well, I don't expect you to have an answer. I'd, I just would I, like to hear what your opinion is. I mean, I I, I definitely don't have an answer in that. I, I think it's um, it's such a such a big problem for me to. I'm paying enormous rent in uh, in a big city where uh, there are a lot of people who can't afford it. And just on the way here, on the way here, there was a big protest about people being evicted and being kicked out of the city. Um, and the gentrification that's happening in San Francisco is astounding. Do you know, a hundred years ago, and this is not the first time big uh, such such a large swathe of gentrification happened in the city. Hundred okay, years ago, good. during the gold rush. Uh-huh. Uh, the city of San Francisco is so small, seven miles by seven miles squared. They used to have quite a few cemeteries here because uh, of the gold rush and a lot of people died. And, uh-huh. and at one point, developers decided they would like to reclaim that land and they dug up one and a half million bodies and moved them to a city called Colma, south of San Francisco, <laughs> so they could build houses. <laughs> the Presidio Golf Course is an ex-cemetery. Uh and in, over the course, I just love the idea of that someday you're just getting your ball out of the hole and you're just like finger. <laughs> I think they left a finger here, um, and that reclaimed enormous amounts of land, um, and more people can fit in. When people like living in a place, 
uh, and there's only there's only finite resources. People do get pushed out, and so now people have been pushed out of San Francisco into places around the other side of the bay. Now East Bay is starting to get gentrified, so people in Oakland are starting to crack the shits because more and more people are kind of mo- more and more like wealthy middle class people are moving into East Bay and changing the face of East Bay, turning that into like the Brooklyn of of uh, of San Fran- of of the West. So it's kind of um, it's this perpetual problem where people who aren't as wealthy consistently feel marginalised. I don't know is the answer. Mm. I don't, but I did like oh, – we got that great anecdote about them Good. moving the dead people. Yeah, yeah. The so it was fine yeah. with that. Colma, yeah. I like the idea that they dug them up and buried them again somewhere else though. They dug them up and they put them on trams and, and <laughs> sent, 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 them by, sent them by trams down Market Street. 20 miles south to Colma. And Colma is <laughs> Colma is a city uh, south of San Francisco. It's yeah. now a suburb of San Francisco. Uh-huh. Uh, but they have 1,500 people. That's their population. Uh-huh. And 2 million people in the ground. 2 million bodies. Yeah. And, and, and Colma Colma's has a slogan. And what is Colma's slogan? It's great to be alive in Colma. <laughs> them for embracing now, that yeah and the whole the whole economy of Colmo is based around funerals and right. and uh and and death um but it's a very it's a very peaceful place to live uh, and very peaceful to visit if you ever get a chance to go it's to a Colma. great idea for a tv show like setting a tv show in Colma, like in a place that's just no like you know oh, with, yeah. with where all they moved all the dead bodies yeah, to and yeah. the whole town is like you know, yeah, in the death business. In the death business. Yeah, I met a whole bunch of people. I met the I met the mayor. I met. I'm cutting all this out so I can sell this idea. <laughs> <by the way. laughs> Good. Good. <laughs> dead center of town. That's the name of <laughs> dead center of town. Dead center dead of town. town. There it is. There it's it is. a tribute to my dad who made that joke every time we went past the cemetery as we were growing up. He's <laughs> like, "What did you call it? Dead center of town? Tribute to my father. Ah, uh, your, your bloody mate Russell love it." <laughs> We'll get, yeah, we'll get Russell Crowe. Oh, well, that Russ, yeah. Yeah, not that Russ, the yeah. other Russ. Uh, all right, uh, we should finish up. All right. Dan Ellick, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for bringing uh, food. Thank you so much for bringing yourself and being so entertaining today. Look, I didn't do anything. I'm just here to. I'm just here to for shits and giggles. I'm here to see your beautiful face. Well, you know the great thing is as well, we can now get off uh, like this podcast, and it might be time for us to check and if we, we have a new prime minister. Spill. Dan Spillick, that's who you are today. <laughs> see, that's how you do it, Dan. You just got to get your name in shit. <laughs> I'm doing a uh, show at the Melbourne Comedy Festival called Political Will, which was meant to be about, uh, you know, Tony Abbott and the last year in Australian politics. Could be a very different show. Could be a very different show to what I thought it was going to be. So, so uh, well, I have no doubt that you'll be able to turn whatever you whatever you want into comedy gold. Well, the good news is that I haven't quite done as much work on it as I should have. So, <laughs> so you're still flexible. Yeah, I'm still, fl- yeah. I'm still very yeah. flexible. <laughs> Oh, I just had half an hour on paid parental leave. Oh. <laughs> um, uh, I am also doing my free will tour, uh, which is on sale. And actually, it's starting very, very soon. Adelaide, uh, the first four shows, I think, of previews come along and help me uh, put the show together. And then, of course, uh, another week of shows in Adelaide, uh, Brisbane after that, and then the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Dan Illick, where can people find you? Where can they find your videos, Where, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, become, a, uh, become a subscriber of AJ Plus on YouTube. That's AJ, P-L-U-S. And on oh. Facebook. 
So it's plus. It's not a plus. It's not a plus sign. It's uh, a well, plus. the branding is a plus sign, but oh, okay. for for the typey types, you got to oh, type it in course. like that. Yeah, yeah that yeah, makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, but we are AJ Plus on Facebook as well. Um, uh-huh. Join us. We it's 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 really um it's really good company. Really good content we're making, and it's a kind of interesting way of trying to tell the news um, for millennials and younger. So could be we're still an experimental phase, but you kind of, we're learning. Uh, what's cool about it is we're in Silicon Valley and we're kind of learning about how to engage audiences in this new world. So, which we eventually, because none of us are going to be watching Channel Ten in the future. No one's watching Channel Ten now. <laughs> it's already happening. The future's already here. <laughs> the future is here. Thank you, Dan. Pleasure.